Hello, I'm Dylan. And I'm Keon. And this is Zenith, that podcast where our weapon sounds like an accounting software. Because this week we watched Weapon. Written by Chris Boucher. Just <laughs> by George Spenton Foster. And aired on January 23rd, 1979. Yeah, so I was actually reading about this, but apparently the only director who ter- returns from Series A is Ve- Veer Lorimer. Apparently all the other directors just bug it off to go do other things. <laughs> And also, apparently, there was a lot of, like, rearranging of stories that occurred in this season. Apparently, Pip and Jane Baker were going to write a story, but then Chris Boucher was concerned about the quality of the writing. <laughs> as, as he should be. <laughs> as he should be, because it's Pip and Jane Baker. And so then they rearranged all the stories because they canceled their story and got, like, another story. And I didn't read a lot of the specifics because I didn't want to spoil a lot of the story-specific stuff. But I think... I can t- or we can talk about that at the end of the season. Yeah, um, I mean, I didn't read anything specifically like for this, or I didn't get too in depth into this, but I knew that a lot of the uh, stories were rearranged in series two. Yeah, and also in regards to when this aired, in relation to Doctor Who, I believe it aired during oh, right. the airing of Armageddon Factor. Yeah, again, my favorite Doctor <laughs> Who story of all time, and glad you looked that up because I completely forgot we were even mentioning that now. <laughs> Come on, you got to get with it. We just keep adding more <laughs> things to this podcast that require more structure. And this require is us the, to put in actual work. This is becoming the most structured podcast we've ever made. <laughs> That's not saying much, considering we basically just turn on the mics and go. <laughs> yeah, well, now there's like a structure of some sort. Anyway, yeah, second Chris Boucher script, second non-Terry Nation script. And yeah, part of and the only you can reason- tell. And once Avon shows up, and once we actually get on the Liberator, you can definitely tell. Uh, yeah. So the only reason I brought up the rearranging of Justify, scripts is because stupid. <laughs> I don't think it was intended for there to be two Chris Boucher scripts in a row. I think there was supposed to be someone else's script here, but then because of the whole rearranging thing, it ended up. Yeah. Chris Boucher had to write two in a row, and I think Chris Boucher was only allowed to write three stories for this season. I think the BBC was only like, yeah, we'll let you write three stories. And he was like, okay. All right. I basically wrote the last, the last six stories of Series A anyway. So just I'll just slap a name on it. And it's, just, it's not my own. Just- I mean, that's how they got around it in Doctor Who. They just come up with pseudonyms and like take an idea from someone else and like have a, have a, a sort of joint pseudonym for both of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you got to be a little crafty to get around those contract clauses that say you're not allowed to write for your own show. Anyway, so it begins with... Travis. Uh, no, it begins with an explosion. Oh, right, yeah, it begins with the explosion. I couldn't tell if this was stock footage or not. It was definitely a different sort of Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was stock footage or, or if they had actually walked out to the nearest forest and detonated a bunch of C4 just for this <laughs> five-second shot in Blake 7. Probably stock. Probably stock. And then we see... We see... Rochelle and... Kozer. Kozer. Looking at the explosion, they're like, they'll never know it was... They'll never know we're here thanks to this explosion. Ha ha ha. And yeah, they're, they're, uh, their costumes are definitely very Series B, Blake 7. Yeah. Because uh, they're, they're like open down to the, the belly button, basically, and they have these giant collars. Yeah, except Rochelle and Koza's collars are different. Koza's is, like, way more pyramid-esque, and Rochelle's is, like, curvy, vampire, gothic. Yeah, Servaland's wearing a similar sort of collar, and we get in this scene that Rochelle is a former slave because she calls uh, Koza Sir, and he's like, don't call me Sir, you're not a slave anymore, which, 
to me immediately set up Kozer as like, you know, a pretty, pretty decent guy, right? Going around freeing slaves. But that, I guess, sort of falls apart in the next scene they show up in. So, yeah. He's being like really evasive about what they're doing there. But he's like, yeah, we're never going to be able to leave this planet because we just blew up our ship. But at least the Federation will think we're dead. Yeah. She's like, okay, that's cool. I guess we'll have to like scavenge for food then. <laughs> So then we cut to Travis. We cut to this really weird scene that I didn't get at all when it first happened. But well, there's, Tra- there's there's no way you would get it unless it's you just, knew what was happening. It's such a weird sequence of events. It feels so weird and feels kind of like a yeah, it feels like a dream. But so Blake just because they're in an all white room as well. Blake walks in and Travis is like, Travis yeah, doesn't well, say anything. He just raises his gun hand and just shoots Blake, and then. He's just like, he just nods and he's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what? <clears throat> Fist bump in the air and just freeze frame on it. <laughs> and no, then, so anyway, this is not Stephen Grief anymore, if that's how you pronounce his name. I think so. Uh, they it's recast Brian Croucher. I yeah, think. they recre- recast Travis, and now we have Brian Croucher, Coucher, one of those two. Croucher, Coucher, Croucher, Croucher. Makes me think of Chris Boucher, but like flipped. <laughs> yeah, almost. Um, and I knew, you knew Travis was being recast, yeah. right? So did I. And, you know, I'd seen screenshots. I hadn't seen any of Brian Croucher's acting, but I'd seen screenshots of him playing Travis in this series. And as soon as I saw those screenshots, like a couple months ago, when I found out that Travis was recast, I was like, wow, Travis is not scary at all anymore, which was the case that by the end of Series A, Travis wasn't really scary at all anymore either. It's because like, Brian Croucher's got a way more uh, greaser-style, pretty boy <laughs> hairstyle. Yeah, he just doesn't look as menacing as Stephen Grief did, and they changed his costume as well, so he's now wearing, like, corduroy. <laughs> and also his, his, like, busted eye is it looks even less more. Pro- it looks even less prominent. It looks even more like just a black piece of paper taped over his face right well i watched recently the uh blue peter segment from like 1978 where they teach you how to make a blake 7 teleporter bracelet and i'm pretty sure that's how they made them on the show as well you know just with cardboard and and plastic wasn't sally nevet on that sequence or am i misremembering no no it's um i forget her name but the host the woman who teaches you how to make it kind of does look like sally nevet now that you mention it yeah maybe maybe i just Thought it was Sally Levesque because I saw a picture. But yeah, so the new Travis, way less menacing, even though Brian Crouch is trying really hard to act menacing. It's better than I thought it would be because, again, I hadn't seen any of his acting before, and he does a pretty good job capturing the Series A Travis, in his acting at least. I... Oh, we didn't mention that he... Go on, go on. on. uh, Well, I was just going to say, I think the main reason that they recast him is because Stephen Grief... Uh, one apparently tore his Achilles hen- tendon while playing like racquetball behind huh. the scenes on Series that. A, but also he just wanted to move on to other parts. So yeah, a lot of the by by Series B, a lot of these actors are ready to move on. Whether they either you know some of them do like Stephen Grief, and some of them stick around like the Liberator crew, but a lot of them are ready to move on. Well, I think, really sure. I think part of the reason why Gareth Thomas and Sally Nevette stick around is because they're locked into a twenty-six episode contract, yeah. so or twenty-eight episode contract. Actually, also, yeah, I also read while I was reading about the rearranging of scripts that uh, David Jackson, who plays Gan, once handed Chris Boucher a note on set that just said the word four. And Chris Boucher was like, what is this? And he's like, that's how many lines I have in this episode, Chris. 
that's how many lines I have. Yeah, I'd been reading a lot about David Jackson lately, and especially on Series A, where he had a very different idea of who Gan was than Terry Nation did. Like a very different idea. Yes, well, we and all know I Terry Nation is the god overlord of this show. <laughs> and they can't know that, but I mean, this comes across on screen with Gan's like really weird and bouncy characterization. Yeah. But uh, the new Travis is also wearing a Federation pin, I guess. Yeah. And this looks, it looks like, it's its sort of a stylized Federation logo, and it looks like a Star of David, the way it's made. Kind of. It looks like it was... Well, it looks like a street artist's interpretation of the logo, like someone on the street had some metal and they bent it into the Federation logo work. and gave it to him. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. it's like a wireframe model of the yeah. Federation logo, but it's yeah. also kind of like rectangular and the actual logo it's, is like it's more ang- It's more angular than the, yeah, than the regular one. But anyway, like we mentioned, uh, Travis kills Blake and, you know, the, the, the show is over. Blake is dead. Uh, the show doesn't end when Blake dies. Well, actually, before we continue, I finally remembered what what uh, Travis's angular version of the logo reminds me of. It reminds me of in Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan when they changed all the communicator pins to be a lot more angular, and it looks really similar to that. So, well, the Blake Seven logo looks almost exactly like the Star Trek logo, anyway. So, yeah, it's rotated like eighty-six degrees or something. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so they like try to really play up the fact that Blake is dead because they immediately cut to the Liberator where Avon goes, where's Blake? <laughs> yeah, this is actually a really weird exchange. Avon walks in and yeah, he, he asks Jenna where Blake is and Jenna's like, I don't know, why are you asking? And he's like, because I thought you would know. And she's like, well, I don't. <laughs> well, Paul Dano <laughs> also has the weirdest like physical acting in the scene because also when when Jenna asks him why he's asking where Blake is, he just whips out this like, obvious piece of plastic and he's like well Orax completed those calculations that he's wanted and I need to give him to Blake and he like shakes it and I'm like Paul what are you doing Paul yeah okay so one thing in this scene Orac is quickly eclipsing Zen as being you know more of a focus than you know the main computer that they're focusing on Orac has way more capabilities than Zen anyway except for the fact that Zen was psychic which they never brought up again well and because Zen was you know the only computer they had to focus on for like what 11 episodes so Mm -hmm. That part's okay. But yeah, Paul Darrow's acting in this episode continues to just get weirder because he, more so than ever, and he's done this before, he's basically done this since the way back, but he just, he savors those lines so much. He's like, well, I thought you would know. (laughs) And every time he talks, the dialogue gets like a lot more snappy, but the delivery just slows down. (laughs) Well, except later on. The justify stupid line. <laughs> all right, that one was all right because of, I don't know the delivery for that one was just great. I mean, Paul Avon, I guess, is becoming a lot more grating, especially in these Chris Boucher written stories. But that line was just great. Well, so Avon actually, basically, I, I've I've known about that line for a really long time, and I never knew when it was. And then like, I heard Gan say that like line that prompted him to say that, and he was like, "Oh yeah, it's coming. <laughs> Here it is." <laughs> We'll get there. We'll get there. Continuing that Avon really hates Blake now for some reason. He talks about how Blake has asked Orac to build these battle plans for attacking the weapon, the Federation weapons cache. And he's like, you didn't seem to tell any of us. And then Callie's like, well, actually, (laughs) he 
And Callie's like, well, I knew. And Avon's like, wait, what? And she's like, yeah, I actually told him about that idea. I was like, yeah, if we need weapons, we should just attack the weapons cache. <laughs> yeah, Callie just stirring dissent in the Liberator. It's like, well, he told me. Actually, I helped him come up with the idea. We should mention Callie and Jenna's continued con- interesting outfits. Jenna's wearing like a blue outfit with like two star pins on yeah. either side of her chest. Callie's wearing like red yeah, that Callie's was fine with me because again, I've always associated Callie with just like a red sort of jumpsuit type thing because that's how she was introduced. Yeah, in she's got like gold trim on it too. Time, uh, time Squad, I think. But, yeah, I think so. Yeah, but I'm glad Gan's full length robe is back. Yeah, I'm glad Gan's back to only having like one line <laughs> in this story. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it just some big spoilery things with Gan coming up soon, but I'm not gonna. I feel like if I say anything, I'm gonna be treading on that territory accidentally or or not but so they Blake comes in he's like you were discussing my foolhardy plans <laughs> he doesn't say that <laughs> you know if we're going along with that theory that everybody in the show is portrayed the way Blake <laughs> I mean that theory I just came up with on the spot that seems to be pretty much correct <laughs> yeah but I was gonna say it seems like series B unlike series A series B is a lot more Everyone on the show is how Avon perceives yeah. them yeah, rather than Blake. Yeah, a lot more Avon-centric because everyone <clears throat> seems a lot stupider now. <laughs> well, at least in this sort of sequence here, the beginning of this episode. Yeah, so... Especially Villa. Villa was never, like, a stupid character, although in this he kind of... I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about Villa. Yeah, well, so they look at the plans and they're like, huh, what's going on with this? You Orak assumed that the thing was on high alert. The weapons cache is on high alert, so let's bring in Orak. And they're like, they have this really fanciful sequence where they like wheel Orak in from off stage left and like, here's Orak. I don't remember that, but all right. I don't know. I'm kind of blowing it out of proportion, but they did just wheel Orak in from like off the bridge onto the bridge. And like, I was like, didn't Orak like live on the bridge? Why did they move him off the they bridge? They put him in that box like near Zen earlier. Like, underneath Zen almost, I think. So then Orak's like, yeah, they're on high alert. And Blake's like, why? And Orak's like, that information, it wouldn't be worth it to get that information. And Blake's like, I don't care. Get it. Find out why they're on high alert. Orak's like, like, okay, oh, I guess. And then we cut to Serval- oh, we cut to Travis, and then Serverland shows up. He's like, that's not fair. You knew I would kill the clone if it was Blake. And he, like, grabs Serverland by the throat. Serverland's wearing, once again, uh, another impractical white outfit with a big collar that's, like, wireframe model as well. Also, it shows off her, like, midriff. Yep. Which is a first for Blake 7, I think. <laughs> All right, sure. Yeah, Serverland's sexuality is is played more than ever in this episode and is also, like, kind of an important part of the the episode itself, which it was always before, but not to this extent. I mean, it was always hinted at, but it was never, like stated except for the fact that she like probably definitely had a relationship with that one officer in the first episode so she's introduced in yeah we we joked about we joked in i forget what but we joked about like how servaland like slept her way to the top of the federation and like you know maybe that's true <laughs> i mean every episode that passes it becomes like more likely Especially in this one, at the very end, when the guy's like, the sexiest Federation officer I ever knew. <laughs> like, okay. oh god, ratings are dropping quick. Remove some of Servaland's clothes. 
I don't actually think ratings were dropping no, that much. No, no, I think they were I think actually they were going increasing. Up, actually. Yeah. This is one of those, I mean... Oh, shoot, ratings are going up. Remove Servaland's clones. <laughs> but yeah, Servaland tells Travis that he fell exactly into her plan. Yeah. She's like, wow, Travis, you killed a clone of Blake. Knew you would do that. <laughs> Knew you would give in to your urges. Wow, great plan. Put a clo- put a person who looks exactly like Blake in front of this guy who's being paid and really wants to kill Blake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Not- he's basically unhinged now. And I, I've got to say, this episode really put Servaland back on the map for me as like a cool villain. Yeah, but I was kind of bummed that they just disregarded what they left us with in Orac, which is... You know, Blake was like, oh, we're going to tell the Federation that you let us get away. Let's see how they deal with that. And we just never find out how the Federation dealt with that because we meet them now. And Serverland, Serverland's still in control of the Federation security forces. Travis is still around. Travis Surprisingly, is, hasn't been thrown in, like, space jail. Travis still seems to be in the same situation where basically everyone wants him, like, court-martialed or in jail or something. And Serverland's the only one keeping him around. Yeah. Um, but her Servaland's plan in this is also kind of similar to Orac, which is to Servaland's obtain... plan in this is also pretty similar to Project Avalon, because as soon as they introduced the clone, I was like, wait a minute, we've seen this before. Oh, yeah, I forgot that they introduced clones in... I mean, in Blade. Project well, it Avalon, really it wasn't it was a like clone, a it was a robot, but like, thing, but... the principle is still a duplicate of someone important <laughs> for the Liberator crew, so I was like, wait a minute. Well, I mean, we've this one is this Blake, before. now there's just a Blake clone, like... Yeah, now they're just going straight the for the top, which is what they should have done with Project Avalon, if we're going to be frank. Anyway, uh, these clone masters who, I'm going to guess, never show up again, but they seem to be the most powerful beings, like, in the entire show so far, because they can just create genetically identical clones of people from nothing. From, like, anything. But they have, like, a code that they follow, so they're not... They're, like, all-powerful, but, you know, you can't really get them to do what you want most of the time. At least mm-hmm. Servaland can't. Because I guess now we're introduced to the Clone Master, who walks in and is wearing the highest collar we've seen yet. <laughs> That's how you know she's at the top, is the really, really freaking high collar. Yeah. And she has sort of um, a design on her face. Like yeah, a like a... Sick a, face tat. Like a horizontal bar. Or it's it's more like a spike kind of thing. I don't rem- exactly remember what it looks like. Eh. But she comes in, she does this hand motion. She's like, all life is connected. Yeah. And she explains the backstory of the Clone Masters. And, well, first Travis has this really weird and clunky line of dialogue where he's like, Clone Masters? I thought cloning was a project that the Federation abandoned years ago because it wasn't lucrative. Or <laughs> feasible. <laughs> and Servland's like, yeah. That's what we told right. everyone. We, they actually continued it and the clone master explains how yeah they've continued the cloning program and she is a clone of the previous clone master who was a clone all the clone masters were cloned are clones themselves they're all cloned from the original clone master yeah and they this they actually bring this up they don't use these terms they don't use like the terms genes and memes but like uh in a lot of stories or not even stories, just real life things about clones. Like they're genetically identical, right? But if they don't go through the same experiences, they're not going to like be uh, as similar as they could be. But mm-hmm. all the clone masters are raised by the previous clone master, giving them the same experiences and sort of the same views, ideas, whatever, as the previous clone master. So I thought that was kind of cool. 
yeah, they also have like a really uh, legal loophole way around their code of not creating life because they're like, we don't create life. So everyone's like, but you made us a clone. She's like, yeah, you gave us the genetic material, but you didn't give us like an actual sample of Blake. So we didn't create life from Blake. We just like made a duplicate of the genes. <laughs> So, like, it's different. And Serverland's like, I honestly don't care about your own self-justification. Just give me the damn clone. And, and like, right after that, Travis asks, asks the clone, what's your name? And he's like, Blake. <laughs> yeah. This the clone, because cl- the, yeah, they bring in, a, they have another Blake clone that they bring in. And there's this weird, like, out-of-body experience for the clone where he's looking at his exact duplicate dead on the floor. <laughs> The clone master's like, we couldn't give him all of Blake's experiences because you didn't give us any sample of Blake, so we just, like, gave him some basic background knowledge and called it good. <laughs> we find out that Blake is only 34 years old, and thought he was old, older than that, but whatever. Yeah, whatever. But this clone is only, like, four hours old. <laughs> anyway, so she Travis gets a message from Guard, and <laughs> Guard is like... <laughs> Guard A... <laughs> Watch Serverland. Oh, wow. Serverland just calls him God later. <laughs> uh, okay. And God is like, yeah, so the guy who created Imapak just crashed and probably died. So Serverland's like, oh, Travis, go find out more information. And then Serverland, the clone master doesn't want to give Serverland the clone because Travis killed a clone and like all life is connected and all life has a bond or whatever. <laughs> and Serverland's like, yeah, well, I'm just going to... I sent Travis back to my command post, told himself to put him in prison, uh, put himself in prison, and we're going to court-martial him. I hope that's okay. And she's like, you understand the code of life. I was like, ah, no. <laughs> mm. Yeah, there's. I think she says, you understand the code of life almost as much as you understand something. Trust. trust or something like that, which either means that she understands it a lot or, like, barely at all, and I kind of think it's the latter. But... But yeah, we get some information, I think, here about this guy named Kozer, who is a beta class weapons technician. Mm-hmm. And this is a good time to mention the class system, which was actually introduced in Shadow, and we didn't mention it, because in Shadow, uh, we find out that Blake is an, was an alpha class and Villa was a delta class. So, you know, the higher your class, alpha being the top one, probably, mm-hmm. um, the higher social standing you have. So Blake grew up probably pretty comfortably compared to Villa, who was a Delta class and said he, you know, he grew up in the slums or whatever and had like a hard life. Yeah. So that was in Shadow. We skipped that. And now they're looking for this beta class weapons technician who stole Imapak. We don't know what Imapak is, sort of similar to ORAC. But it does sound like an accounting software, you have to admit. <laughs> or like a super pack kind of type thing. It's Imapak. Except it's spelled with a K, not a C. Oh, right. It's like the... Uh, they told us for what, something. It, they told us what, what the acronym for. stands for, but we should probably look it up before. Heck we if get I remember there. because it was like long and confusing. And they only say it once. Wow, I like how Imapack is pet food package. Yeah, there's a bunch of companies called Imapack Packaging Solutions, Pet Food Packaging, Laminated Film Rolls. Oh, well, I guess it's all, that's all from the same company. They just make different things. Found it. Induced molecular instability projector and key. Right. Yeah, so, that. yeah, in the back. Yeah, when, when Orac says that Kozer stole Imapak, Jenna's like, well, what's Imapak? Maybe it's something like Orac. And Blake's like, 
doesn't matter. Let's just go steal it. Yeah, Blake just knows it's a weapon and it's really powerful and he wants it. We, <laughs> we, <laughs> I mean, that's basically what it is. We don't actually know that the guy um, and on, on the planet with the slave is, the former slave, I guess, is Kozer yet. I think we do about now because I think well, we Michelle out, calls her You find Kozer. out like, yeah, because now they, they're in this sort of complex and it's abandoned. There's rats all over the place and it's filthy. But they have to hide out there, and Kozer's not in a good mood. Th- this is the scene where we find out that this is Kozer. And the Rochelle keeps calling him sir, and he's getting really mad. And he says she's free now, but he keeps treating her like a slave, basically. And she's just trying to make the best of the situation, I guess, but Kozer uh, is pretty pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> Kozer's like, well... You're basically getting in my way, way, Rochelle. Also, do you hear that? This is my life now. This is what it is. Also, do you hear that noise that I keep hearing? And she's like, no. And he's like, I keep hearing a noise. That's not really ever resolved. Rochelle thinks it's rats. It's it's that creature thing that they kill within the pack. I mean, probably. (laughs) That big matra claw that busts (laughs) through the door. (laughs) I guess we actually don't know if it's that. It could just be something completely different. Yeah, they kill that creature using Imapak. Koza blasts it with a little gun and then he activates yeah, that's the key. Yeah, that's a little bit later. We don't. Act, this is the first time we see Imapak used, but you don't really know how it's being used yet. But it just looks like a gun. I'm like, wow, is Imapak just a really powerful gun? Uh, basically, I guess it's just a. It's just, it's just a, a gun with honestly, like a little more functionality. It's just a gun with a delay function. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a gun where you shoot someone and then you can just choose when they die after that. I mean, yeah, and yeah, we'll we'll get to Imapak later on. The scenes where Servland was like shooting people with Imapak behind their backs and just like laughing. <laughs> Some of the best. <laughs> so Servland goes back to her space command, I guess, and she meets with this psychoanalyst or psychostrategist actually named. Uh, I forget Can- his name. Canel? Cantel? Can- uh, hang on one second. Let me just get his name for you. Carnell. Yeah, Carnell. Carnell. Yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's their psychostrategist. Who apparently shows up in some of Chris Boucher's Doctor Who novels, so... Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) If you take the novels as canon to both, then that means Blake 7 and Doctor Who are the same universe. The same universe, according to Chris Boucher. And also Terry Nation, because he wanted the Daleks to appear on Blake 7 at some point. Yeah. Anyway. Cornell is like a super smart psycho strategist who, like, Comes up with plans for the Federation, I guess. Yeah, he he helped Servalan come up with this plan to get Imapak. Although, I didn't necessarily get all the dialogue here. It's, it's pretty fast, and some oh, of it no, is it's like it's a little really complicated. Sleazy. Right, but it's good. It's all good. Um, yeah, yeah, Carnell's like exactly playing chess. They, yeah, Carnell has this mini chess set, which you play against a computer. And it's supposed to be like the most advanced chess computer like on the market, and he's mm-hmm. beat it three times already. And this this is actually something I wanted to mention because this is basically the biggest real world connection in Blake Seven, right? You know, this society so far has seemed pretty far removed. I mean, they face a lot of the same problems: terrorism, classism, racism. racism. But you know, this chess set is like a, a very real world connection. We've never seen them play something that like a game that we have today, which they mm-hmm. do here. So, yeah, yeah. We though we ha- we 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 have seen. Blake has a watch, or he did in 
the way back because Villa steals it as soon as he meets it. Yeah, meets him. So, but I mean the the watch even even that like a watch isn't necessarily as direct a connection as as a chess a set. chess set. So yeah, so he 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 says he analyzed the footage of the crash and then it was like a it was a symbolic suicide that they that. Koza and Rochelle are trapped on this planet with Imapak, but they blew up their ship with Imapak, he says, because he wanted them, he wanted the Federation to basically think that they're dead so that they won't come off to Imapak. Which is pretty similar to Servland's plan later on, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So he helps Servland come up with his plan to go down there and, uh, Basically, draw Blake out to come to the planet so that she can kill Blake. Servalan implies that once his usefulness has run out, he'll be discarded, like I guess all of her other lackeys. Yeah, but that doesn't really matter because after she leaves, he. Because he hasn't actually mentioned Rochelle, he just thinks it was Koza, and he finds out about Rochelle after she leaves, and he realizes that the plan that he and Servalan came up with is going to fail because of Rochelle. So he did, he just ditches. Yeah. He's like, well, like, help out. out. You're going to kill me when you get back and the plan fails. So I'd rather just ditch. So and, bye. And later on in that message he leaves to serve land, he says that he's lost his job, his position, and all his power. So not really that much. <laughs> <laughs> well, he clearly had quite a bit of power because this is a bit later when he finds out that Rochelle was there. But how he finds out is someone brings a report to serve land from another psychostrategist and Carnell's like, just give me the report. And he's like, what are you, a puppet master? He's like, yeah, I am. Actually, haven't been called that in like decades, but yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be rude. And then he takes the report from him. And that's how he finds out Rochelle was there. Yep. So he clearly had, he's clearly in a pretty high up position, I think. Yeah, yeah, he is. I mean, I, it was just sort of a jab at Servaland. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm free of this thing that doesn't really mean much. And you're still there. You think you have like this really cool position and stuff, but you don't. <laughs> and then we get, well, Servalan and Travis go down to the planet with the Blake clone. And the Blake clone just kind of walks in on Koza and Rochelle. Yeah, you see the Blake clone by itself first. And you don't really know if it's Blake or if it's the Blake clone. You can kind of guess it's the clone because I don't think Blake would go down by himself. You could also kind of guess it's the clone because immediately when he starts talking, he's like, Hello. My name is Blake. <laughs> Who are you? And then he, like, I know and he, you. he he almost immediately does the all life is connected thing. And they're like, that's kind of weird. So Koza like shows him him a pack and he's like, here, take him a pack. You sh- you need it. And yeah. He's like, thanks. And then immediately Servalan and Travis just walk in like, thanks for Imapak. Koza's like, damn. Yeah. Koza uh, explains to the Blake clone how Imapak works, which we basically already did. We didn't explain Imapak's design either. It looks kind of like a water gun. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a two-handed rifle water gun. Yeah. And the key is like a little blue box that has like a button on and then like a a dial. It has a lot of switches and buttons, which I guess makes sense based on what happens later. And it's the only way that what happens later makes sense. But basically, Imapak shoots you with this beam of light that destabilizes your molecules at the press of the button. So once you shoot someone with Imapak, you can press this button and kill them. And the range is like a million miles. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. So you can adjust the range. Right. They don't feel the... The Imapak beam. Well, if you can, I didn't know that you can adjust the range. I didn't get that. So then that 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 makes sense then if you can adjust the range. Yeah, you can adjust the range because it says anywhere from like two feet up to like a, a million miles. But that still doesn't explain something something about the scene later. So Servalan blasts 
Koza with Imapak and then kills him with Imapak and he's like, no, no, please don't, no. <laughs> yeah, so this was actually really funny and this was the first time Servalan does this. I'm glad they had her do it like a bunch. She <laughs> she gets Imapak and then she's like, hey, Koza, and he looks up and he's like, what? And she just gets shot with Imapak. He's like, oh, God, no. <laughs> Servalan's just like a little kid in the candy store right now. She's like, beep, 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 poking people like, boop, boop, boop. And then we... Except f- killing people. <laughs> And then she like blasts Travis with it too while yeah, he he's did, like he doesn't Travis doesn't notice it. She uh, blasts Travis behind his back and she just like laughs like <laughs> She doesn't blast Michelle with it though. Yeah, well she's a she's about to, but then the Blake clone is like, no, all life is sacred. Serverland's like, uh, oh, we'll just kill them later. Take them to another room. Guard. Guard guard's like, okay. <laughs> what if his name is Guard? <laughs> and then while the guard's doing that, she just like blasts him the button. He's like <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how you can even tell who you're shooting with Imapak. I mean, there's that visual cue for the audience, a little yellow dot, but if you get shot with yeah, Imapak, there's supposed to be no way you you know, so I mean, can't they can see that orange yeah, thing. that's what I'm saying. There's not supposed to be any way that they know, so... Well, I mean, you can't... I think it was... You can't feel yourself getting shot. Like, you, if you see that little orange beam of light, you can you can see yourself getting shot, but I don't think you can feel it. I guess, but Serverland doesn't see Rochelle shoot her later, even though she's looking right at her. Uh, maybe. I don't, I don't know, then. So... Maybe you just have to, like, hope. I don't know. <laughs> Point and pray. <laughs> So then Blake, Avon, and... Gan. Gan. Of all people. <laughs> teleport down. Villa's manning the teleport, although we don't actually at, see him manning yeah, the teleport. At, we just see the trio running through this water treatment plant, and then we get this hilarious scene. Well, Villa, we skipped this. We kind of mentioned it, but Villa gets verbally murdered by Avon <laughs> when he goes, who would be stupid enough to attack the weapons base? And Avon just snaps and he goes, justify, stupid. Because <laughs> Villa was um, on totally on board with Blake earlier. And there's actually a, a, some interesting bits of dialogue that we also skipped where Avon says, Jenna reminds Avon that Blake's ultimate goal is to get back to Earth and overthrow the Federation. And Avon's like, he's going to be alone by then. And Jenna says, I doubt it. And Gan, so she implies that she's sticking around with Blake. And Gan mm-hmm. just straight up says, like, I'm staying with Blake. Avon's like, damn, my plan to overthrow Blake. <laughs> currently only in stage one <laughs> gotta sow more descent into the crew yeah what i think i mean at this point it seems like they're all pretty on board with blake except, except for, for avon. avon except for avon he's gonna be uh, kicked out pretty soon there's like a vote uh you've been voted off the island avon <laughs> voted off the liberator <laughs> survivor liberator trial anyway we get this hilarious scene or at least i thought it was hilarious because Serverland gives Travis Imapak and tells him to go blast the people so that they can kill them whenever they want. And we just see the scene where, like, Gan runs out and, like, looks around, gets shot and runs off. And then immediately after, Blake runs on, looks around and then runs <laughs> off and gets shot. And then Avon runs on, looks around and gets shot. And they're, like, one at a time. It yeah, reminded me a lot of, like a, like, a fashion show. They just walk out, they, like, look around for a bit and then just leave. <laughs> I was like, sure. what is going on? And, you know, if Travis and Servalan didn't want to play, the, like, the supervillains and explain their plan and, and take all this time, they could have just, Travis could have just run back, say, like, hey, I, I shot them, and, you know, and have them get killed, which would result in him dying, too, but, you know, he didn't know that. 
Yeah, in the... Serverland has this this plan to like make it seem like Blake took Imapak, but actually she'll have Imapak. I don't know why having Imapak is like more important to her than having Blake dead, considering all the trouble Blake's been causing for her. Plus, like, how many people really are gonna know about Imapak? Serverland seems totally in charge here, totally unquestioned authority. Yeah, she and, can just kill Blake and take Imapak and have the and just best silence world and just kill or court martial anyone who like even questions this decision of taking Imapak if they even anyone who even knows first of all. Yeah. So this is kind of weird. It gets it gets weirder too because Blake and his posse bust in the door and they're like standing all there like yeah they have their liberator guns or like drop the weapons. Yeah, and then Serverland's like, Imipak gives me the advantage. You know it does. And I'm like, there's absolutely no way in which Imipak gives you the advantage. It, they can still shoot you before you can activate Imipak. Yeah, because Imipak, you have to shoot someone, then press the button. They're already shot, but they don't know that. Whereas the Liberator guns, all you have to do is just yeah. know, fire. Serverland still has to push the button to kill them. She, like, uses it on the guard right now. And this is the one thing that's still not explained by the whole setting the range function because she shot Travis earlier, and Travis is standing way closer than that guard is standing. Yep. So that's kind of weird, but... Travis should just keel over and die right there. I mean, maybe it's just a mistake. Whatever. Maybe. It doesn't... It's... I noticed this, too. I was like, wait a minute, shouldn't they all just die right now? But it didn't, like, ruin the story for me. But yeah, Travis drops Imapak at their feet because they tell them to drop the gun, but then that's when Serverland reveals that they don't need to shoot them with the gun to kill them. They've already been shot. But yeah, really, Imapak doesn't give them any sort of advantage in this fight because it's really just who's going to push the trigger first, and I'm pretty sure Blake... Avon definitely has no qualms <laughs> about just <laughs> blasting Travis's head off right then well, and there. Bo- both Avon and Blake already killed guards because Gan was getting overpowered by guards somehow... Even the limiter kicked in, I guess, and they killed the, the guards. The is but... like, oh no, episode's running short. Better kick in right now so that we can get an extra couple minutes. <laughs> so, Servaland tell Blake says he's not going to take the chance of getting killed by Imapak. So they they get back on the liberator, and Servaland's plan is basically to trick everyone into thinking Blake has stolen Imapak, and. And then killing them and with Imapak. Yeah, yeah anyway, kill them with Imapak. Why doesn't she just kill them on the planet is also the other thing. Because she's going to wait for them to get up to the Liberator and then she's going to kill them. Because they, she wants people, and I don't know who these people are, she wants others to see the Liberator fly away. That's yeah, what the it like, Federation ships that she's apparently just called in to yeah. be nearby. So, I mean, it's it's a plan that like... When you really like pick apart the pieces, it's it seems like an all right plan. Like on the when when you just have it explained, but like I guess if you pick apart the pieces, it's like yeah, is it really a good plan? Probably not. But you know whatever. Yeah. Uh, so Blake um, Blake realizes that they would that Servaland is sort of has a has other plans than what she told him because she would never like let them get away. So he decides that they need to get onto the other side of the planet in mm-hmm. orbit and hope that the beam isn't strong enough to get to them. Yeah, and then, then they can leave on the other side of the planet because the ships won't see them. <clears throat> uh, they do that, and it works out, but not after, not before one of the consoles on the Liberator just explodes for no apparent reason. I don't remember that, actually, but... All right. There's like an explosion and the shake, and they're like, oh, what's going on? Oh, right, yeah, because Travis um, earlier said that he set undetectable mines around the planet, and the Liberator runs into one of them. <laughs> Forgot about that. Great. <laughs> Anyway, then Rochelle and Blake Tlone bust in, pick up Imapak, and shoot Serverland. Like, well, you've been shot now too, Serverland. 
there's a scene there's a scene earlier where they call the clones weapons and they say the weapons protect themselves or they call like the ability to clone a weapon and they say the weapon protects itself because the clone master controls all the ability to clone Mm -hmm. and they have like these strict morals and rules and things like that so the weapon protects itself and now they're they bring back that line where Imapak protects itself because Servaland can't get close to it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh. I mean, Travis has already been shot, and he seems to be okay standing right next to this beam, so... So now this Blake clone and Rochelle have power over all of our main characters and villains and can kill them at any time they want. Yeah, they also can't leave that planet, so... Yeah, but they can just turn the range up to a million miles and just kill... Basically... Blake, Avon, and Gan, and Travis. Only if they and come within a million miles of the planet, though. They probably will. They probably you will. You think? I don't know. Space is a lot bigger than you realize. Nah, but I don't know. We don't know how big, like, the Federation is. Yeah, but just space in general, the distance between planets is huge. Yeah, well, a million miles seems pretty far. Not far enough. Nah, it seems pretty far. It seems far enough to me, but, you know. Still, I mean, the, the, the point is, like, they can just control, <laughs> they just have this thing that can kill all of our characters. Yeah. And yeah, that's basically how it ends, you know, Rochelle and the Blake clones. It ends just... on, like, another kind of sit, it, it actually doesn't end on a sitcom moment, it ends on, like, a rom-com moment, because Rochelle and Blake both pick up the remote for Imapak at the same time, their hands touch, and they're like, we could explore this planet now, alone. And then it ends. <laughs> Well, that is the only... They say that that's only the only... Um, it's the only, like, building on the planet. The entire planet is just deserted. Yeah. So, <laughs> so who knows if there's even any, like, animals there. They'll probably die if there aren't. So I don't think they're going to find <laughs> enough food to survive. I think they can scavenge and stuff. You know, who knows? For how long? Sure, these, these conditions, even though, like, the whole place is filthy and destroyed, seems far better than what Rochelle is used to. The Blake clone is only like five hours old, so. Well, I mean, it took him life. more than an hour to fly to that planet. He's probably All like right, a day whatever, old. Whatever, a day point. old. Yeah, so they're stuck on this planet thanks to Koza's genius plan to blow up their ship, which actually does absolutely nothing to hide their tracks from the Federation, and in fact actually draws uh, we, the Federation to their location. Yeah, we forgot the part where Servlan goes back to her command center or whatever it is, and she finds this message from. Uh, Carnell. Carnell saying like by the way I um I've deserted bye bye I had the information to make your plans go smoothly but I didn't give it to you I didn't find it till later didn't find it till after you left so you're probably gonna kill me when you get back so I'd rather leave I'll, I, and then it, it, it actually ends yeah on that line you're the sexiest federation officer I've ever met Chins just like yeah, Servalan right. has this flower on her desk. I think it's an artificial flower. It looks pretty damn artificial. So, I mean, it's either artificial, like, in in the show, or it's just, like, supposed to be a real flower, and they <laughs> they just used a fake one. But she sort of s- creepily smells the flower, and, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good story, but pretty slow, and filled, filled with a lot of things that we've seen before in Blake 7. Uh, the making a duplicate of the main character we've seen before, a weapon that's basically all-powerful that both Blake and the Federation want we've seen before with Orac, so... Yeah, very recently with Orac. Yeah, so... For us, at least. Yeah, I guess the major difference is that this episode focuses on Servaland and Travis more so than Blake and his crew. Yeah, but I, I liked... Because Orac kind of destroyed Servaland for me and Travis as well, but 
I don't know, Servaland seemed pretty cunning in this episode, had this plan, which, like we mentioned before, kind of is bad when we, I guess we picked it apart, but, you know, it's, if you don't really dive into it that much, it seems like an alright plan to, you know, to get this weapon without anyone really even finding out how, and that's the thing, Servaland has always tried to keep the rest of the Federation from finding out about her, <laughs> under, her under the table, vendetta. exactly, her, her sort of sketchy plans. And they never really work out for her. But, you know, just that in itself is kind of... Oh, know, she keeps hiring Travis to carry them out, <laughs> bloody fool. Yeah, I mean, I wonder why Servalan is so wonder why she's so on in, using yeah. Travis. I wonder why she's so intent on tr- be using Travis. There's like when hundreds of other like Federation seven officers. Times right? already. Well, because, I mean, for, when in Seacloak it destroyed, it kind of makes sense, right? He's this really sort of evil guy. Who kills? Who's killed innocent people when they surrendered already? And he has all these other crimes under his belt. And he was, you know, imprisoned. And Servaland brings him out because he's he effective. Someone who can do the job. And it's it's and even she has multiple times admitted that Travis isn't really who he used to be. Mm-hmm. And then now he's just. Oh yeah, they try to brush aside his like new appearance with a oh, really yeah. clunky line of dialogue when he's like, "My return from the reconditioning therapist <laughs> the has therapist. left me feeling." Difference somehow. <laughs> they just perform plastic surgery on Travis without his knowing. <laughs> no, but there's actually I don't know what this is because I didn't spoil the exact line, but I know that when and you know later appearances of Travis, they actually explain this change of appearance even more. But I don't know how. So it's something to look forward to, go. I guess. I mean, they could have just not mentioned it. I wouldn't have cared. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to mention it, though, they shouldn't mention it in such a wink-wink, nudge-nudge, sly <laughs> way. It's like, I feel different. Huh? Huh? Do you see why? Huh? But yeah, overall, I still think this was a, a pretty good episode. I guess we can move into our ratings unless there's anything else you want to mention. Not really. All right. So uh, you want to go first? What did you rate this episode? Don't I always go first? Yeah, so I guess it's just a tradition now. <laughs> okay, uh... Well, I'm reading this, uh, that dream sequence out of dream sequences, I guess. Just uh, really weird, kind of out of place, but makes sense once you've seen the rest of the... Makes sense once they kind of explain what's going on. And I think it was good, but kind of confusing in a lot of things we've seen before. We've seen, a lot, we've seen sequences that are dreamy before, and uh, that's why I'm reading it like that. You All know, right. good unique but we've seen a lot of it before yeah sure sure i uh i uh i rated this a london, a london? you know <laughs> the 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 ship not the city <laughs> i was gonna say not the, the city. city because you know it's kind of a it's it's kind of slow slow and steady but it's uh it's sturdy it's it holds up as a story you know it's kind of uh it's kind of just singularly intentioned right you know the london uh transports prisoners to cygnus alpha and then just comes back and this one sort of unlike a previous blake seven stories you know it had the had the like a plot b plot c plot type thing with travis and you know blake and then Kozer, mm-hmm. but they were all sort of intertwined you know doing the same thing unlike you know previous stories like oh, i don't know the web or mm-hmm. breakdown where it's kind of just two different things breakdown actually wasn't but a lot of blake seven stories were uh and this is more more singularly minded i guess yeah a lot more of a single story story here although it's not really clear how the Blake clone and, and the Koza Rochelle plot tie together at first until yeah. you realize that they're using the clone to get him a pack. So, yeah, 
yeah, at the end here, I just want to mention that uh, I actually know someone named Rochelle, R-O-C-H-E-L-L-E, and they're very close to me, but every time I heard Rochelle in this episode, that was all I could think about was her, so uh, that made watching this episode an interesting experience. Good experience, but interesting. Well, that's just funny you mentioned that, because I actually know someone named Servalan. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really? I'd like to meet them. Is Servalan a real name, or is it... I'm gonna guess no. <laughs> I'm gonna guess it's a Terry Nationism. I, mean, I guess anything can be a real name, because you can name like someone whatever you want, like if you're a parent. But It might just be like a corruption of a real name, like Rochelle, which is R-A-S-H-E-L, which is like really close to Rochelle, which is pronounced almost exactly identical. Rochelle also sometimes listens to these podcasts. I really hope she listened to this one. Anyway, you can email us at thedoctordecadivevegetable.com. Questions, comments, concerns, angry rants, love letters, your thoughts on... Your thoughts on... Imapac. Imapac. How would the you The accounting use- software. <laughs> no, the packaging company. <laughs> How would you use your food packaging? You can find us on YouTube at Decadive Vegetable. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play at Zenith, the Blake 7 Podcast. Be sure to leave a rating if you like the show. Check us out on Facebook. Trust your doctor. Like us on Facebook. Also check us out on Twitter at TYD Podcast and follow us on Twitter. And next time we're watching Horizon. But until then, the end. <laughs>